Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Without a doubt, this is one of the most important seasons of our life, certainly in the Christian community. And I want to preach this morning for just a few moments about what the resurrection means to you. If you have ever unexpectedly lost someone that you love, you know how it feels. You wonder how it's even possible to survive, to go forward. How will you get past this moment in time? That can be a very traumatizing and most certainly a life-altering bridge to cross. A lot of human emotions go with a season like that. It's unavoidable. We are forever connected to people and we are woven in our heart and we know that to many degrees we never lose them because we have the memory of them that time nor circumstance can eradicate. But in a very fleshly, human and normal way, it is a very deep and unexplainable void in your soul. Sometimes in those seasons we feel a sense of anxiety to almost near panic in our flesh. To be sure, something of that nature is a sorrow like we have never felt before. And to know this, to have lived this ourselves, to have experienced this in any measure, gives us a glimpse of what the disciples felt when Jesus was crucified. Everything that they had believed in, and this wasn't just a belief system, but it was a family, and they operated as such, and they were like a brotherhood, and so when he was crucified, you see, when we look at this story, we have the advantage of seeing the big picture. In all honesty, we can kind of look at it through different eyes with different emotions. We can look at it because we already know how the story ends. And so when you have the ability to skip ahead, then we know there is no need for panic because all's well that ends well. But as we're reading the scriptures, I think it is imperative for us to understand that those that were living in that moment are much like you and I today that are living in our moments. We are not really living our days our lives rather one day at a time, we are truly in the most accurate sense living our lives one frame at a time. A moving picture is just a bunch of still pictures that are moving and we are living our lives just one frame at a time, understanding, not to sound morbid at all, but understanding that at any given moment unannounced, our lives can change in an immeasurable amount of time. And so when we think about the disciples who were living all of this out one frame at a time, 
They didn't get to the end of the Gospels. They didn't read about the resurrection of Jesus. They had a completely different thought in mind. They thought that Jesus had come in their heart. They thought that Jesus had come to establish his kingdom on the earth. That was in their heart. That was in their mind. And that he indeed would be their king. And then suddenly they started watching this thing unravel around the edges. Unthinkable things were beginning to unfold one after the other after the other. First, there was the betrayal by Judas Iscariot, who was not a man that lived down the street. He was not someone disconnected or he is not someone that had been fighting against this ministry from day one. But Judas Iscariot was one of them. And so out of this crowd, out of this group, arises a voice, not just a voice of opposition, but it was a voice, friend, of betrayal. They saw Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in the throes of intercessory prayer where, as the scripture describes, he was sweating as though it were great drops of blood. That had to be an unnerving moment to realize something is coming unhinged. This is not how it has been in the past. We were there when the blinded eyes were open and we were there when the lame were taking up their bed and walking and we have watched the dead raised to life again. We have watched, we have watched so many miracles at the hand of God. It was our hands that were, that were a part of the miraculous breaking of the bread and the feeding of all of those people, not once but twice. We were there when he broke the bread and gave it to us and we handed it out. Oh, those glory days of the power of God and the ministry of Jesus Christ. But now something is eerily wrong. The climate, the atmosphere was not as it had been in the past Everything that they had believed had now been challenged, challenged to the breaking point of their faith. If you add to that, Simon Peter, I know we have him as this unpredictable individual. You never kind of know how Simon Peter's gonna respond to things, but really in the end, we do know that they had enough confidence in him that he was their spokesman of sorts. Jesus had given him the keys of the kingdom and and on the day of Pentecost, whenever the Spirit of God began to fall in that upper room and men and women legitimately questioned and rightly questioned what is going on here, the Bible says that it was Simon who stood up, not by himself, but with the other 11, and he began to preach and declare unto them. And as he preached the word of the Lord, that audience that had gathered to behold what was going on, they said, what must we do to be saved? And it was without hesitation that Simon Peter launched in, amen, that you must repent of your sins and be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He didn't just stop there. He went on to tell them that this is not just a one-time thing or a promise just to you and this group, but this is a promise that is to you and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. They had grown comfortable in the voice of Simon Peter. They had grown comfortable. I mentioned it in our first service, but 
But when trouble was in the camp, it was Simon that was there to say, hey, all is well, it's going to be okay. And so they grew accustomed in their mind. I'm just ad-libbing this a little bit, but I think I'm safe to say that in their minds, when something went wrong, somebody in the group was thinking, Simon will take care of this. He'll, he'll represent us and he'll represent us well. And then if you add to the mix of all that's going on, Simon Peter, their spokesman, denies the Lord three times. It's Simon that's warming his hands around the wrong fire. The Bible says that he was even cursing, just trying to fit in, just trying to, to say, I'm not one of them. And, and this little lady in the crowd that keeps pointing to say, I just, I, just, I just really think you were there. No, it wasn't me. Everything seemed to be going so wrong. And then, of course, Jesus was taken accosted at the betrayal of Judas, ultimately led out. He was tormented and then ultimately crucified. He was hung there on a cross. They had to wonder what's going on. Are you with me? Doubt had to just trickle into their heart, even to the most faith-filled soul. Doubt had to be trickling in their heart, but you see, it was all a part of God's plan. And sometimes God in his mercy has a way of just keeping his hands over our eyes and shielding us from the reality of what's going on because he has a plan that may even include pain in our heart and in our lives. You know, sometimes we think in our own human rationale, if the Lord would just let me know what's going to happen in the next 30 days, if the Lord would just give me the blueprint of our lives, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not alone when I say this, that for some in this building that had God warned us ahead of time, there is no telling what our response to that had been. But when God in his grace said in, in, in Deuteronomy, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. That's the, that's the deal I'm going to make with you. That when you get up in the morning, I'm going to be there and I'll give you strength whatever you face and so we look back on some of our circumstances and we wonder how in the world did we make it through it was God's grace and it was his design all alone <laughs> praise God let me reach back if you don't mind and just tell an age old story but many years ago my wife and I were out of town preaching and and uh, we, my wife started having some excruciating pain and, and uh, we come to find out that it was a kidney stone and so we had to take her to the emergency room and, and uh, it was on a Saturday night we were scheduled to be there speaking on Sunday morning and, uh, and so here on Sunday morning instead of being, getting dressed for church and going to the house of God to preach that was our plans, that's what the schedule was all of a sudden we find ourselves in an emergency room and and uh, was a kidney stone, very not an uncommon thing, at least to say. And and so they were just doing the common procedures to locate the stone, and they shot some of that iodine in her veins to find that. Unaware, we were unaware that she was horrifically allergic to that uh, to that iodine or that dye, and her body almost went into shock. And into, and so now we've got multiple problems that are going on, and they're scurrying around and. We don't know exactly what's going to happen and what's going on. And, and the pastor now, by this time, 
has, has met us at the emergency room and, and nothing is going on. This is not how this is supposed to be. We are here for these special services and we're going to have church and we're going to sing and we're going to have a good time and everything's going to be all right. And now we're over here doing all this wondering, well, in time they had given her enough medication to offset the allergic reaction and they've given her some pain and things are kind of leveling off now and we're going to be discharged. And so they moved us to another part of the hospital. This was on a Sunday morning, of course, and so many areas of the hospital were closed. At least some were closed there and we were in the emergency room trying to get checked out. While we were sitting in the emergency room, there was another lady that was a patient. She was also checking out. And so here was the pastor, at least. He was in a suit and tie. He, had, he was ready for church when, we found, when he found out what was going on. And so she came in, and she's wondering what's going on. She struck up a conversation with us. And, and so we were telling her a little bit about the things that were going on. She asked me why the man with me was in a suit. And I explained that he was a pastor of the local church and that I also was a minister and that I was there to, to preach a special service. And with that, tears filled her eyes. With that, she said, I'm telling you, I need God. I need God in the worst way. I'm so thankful that I was able to meet you. She said, is the church close by? I said, yes, ma'am. We're not very far from the church at all. And you know what? That Sunday night, that lady came into that service and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. She came in, was water baptized in Jesus' name. You see, what we didn't understand is when that pastor scheduled me, when that pastor scheduled us to come and preach in that church, he said, I've got a mission. You think it's gonna be behind the pulpit Sunday morning, amen, but I'm gonna tell you, I gotta take you somewhere and I gotta leave you there for a few minutes. I gotta work on this. I've got somebody I need you to meet. You think, well, you know, the Lord could have taken another route. He could have taken another plan. He, yes, there were many other things in our mind, but you see, it was the plan of God all along and I'm going to tell you this morning I'm going to tell you this morning we weren't sorry for one moment we weren't sorry for one ache for one pain because that lady come up out of that water and she had been born again filled with the power of the Holy Ghost the disciples are wondering what's going on this all seems wrong but it was all part of God's plan Praise God. Let me, just, let me just put a little word on you right here. Acts 2.23, the Bible says him, him being Jesus, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Are you hearing me? Amen. We think and the disciples thought that these people just come in and they interrupted an incredible ministry and now they are crucifying this man unjustly and unfairly but in Acts 2 and 23 the Bible says that, the, that Jesus was delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. The disciples were perplexed. They didn't know which way to turn. Their whole world had gotten turned upside down but you see this was the plan of God from the very beginning. Hallelujah. Amen. He said it it was God's deliberate plan. The birth of Jesus was only so that there could be the death of Jesus. And Calvary was his goal from the very beginning. And the reason for the incarnation was for the, for the purpose of atonement. God is going somewhere. He was born to die that you and I might live. And he has fulfilled his purpose and he summed it all up with one word. One word, 
to telestai, which is translated finished. We're just trying to get finished. You ever been around somebody building something and, and they're finally putting up the last piece and somebody says, you know, this is the piece we've been looking for all along. It was the last piece. It was the last. This was it. This was the finished part. Jesus had accomplished the purpose that he had come to fulfill. So what was finished? What is this that this to die? What is this that is finished? One thing that was finished was the horrendous sufferings of Christ. No more, never again would he experience pain at the hand of wicked man. Never again would he have to bear the sins of the entire world. It was to die. It was finished. It was completed. Secondly, Satan's stronghold on humanity was finished. Jesus came and he was going to deal a very intentional and decisive blow against the devil and all of his demons at the cross of Calvary. That's why we can read in Hebrews 2 and 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part in the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and so we can think oh my Lord this is all going wrong but the Lord said it's not going wrong at all it's going right because I'm about to take out of his hands the keys to death hell and the grave amen through the death he is going to destroy the power of death and that power of death according to Hebrews was the devil and so here's what it means to you and I we are no longer under the power of sin amen I can understand that sometimes we don't really have the capacity to grasp that in its full in its full capacity but we are no longer have to we no longer have to live under the power of sin the devil would love for us to think the devil would love for you to think that he can pick and choose who he wants and that he can do whatever he wants and he can do it whenever he wants but I'm going to tell you that's not true because there's been a tetelestai a finished work at Calvary it wasn't left undone. Amen. There is a finished work. The finished work tore down the stronghold that Satan has on humanity. He walks around as a roaring lion. Not a roaring lion. He walks around as a roaring lion. The gates of hell, the Bible says, shall not prevail. It doesn't mean it won't come against. It doesn't mean we won't feel its weight. It doesn't mean that we won't feel our cage shaken from time to time. But I'm gonna tell you, greater is he that is in you, greater is he that is in me, than in he that is in the world. Hallelujah. And as trite, I hope it not, I hope not, but as trite as this may sound to you, but I'm gonna tell you, there's a time that we gotta rise and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me. We have the power to do that because of the finished work of Calvary. Now that doesn't mean that people are not still under his power influence, but it does mean that you don't have to be. There's a lot of people still influenced by Satan, but you don't have to be. There's a lot of people that still give in to his ways, but you don't have to give in to his ways 
amen, it just means that you're in a prison cell, that Jesus has already opened the door and all we gotta do is get up and walk out. I believe there's some people here today that can tell and attest that, that when you were sitting back in the back and, and, and you felt the urge to come down and pray, you felt like that the enemy had convinced you it was a mile and a half from the pew down to the altar. You felt like it was an impossibility to get from where you were to where you wanted to be, amen. But I'm gonna tell you, I believe there's some that can attest to the fact that when I stood up, amen, something fell off of me and it wasn't nearly as far to Calvary as I thought it was gonna be. It wasn't nearly as hard to live for God as I thought it was gonna be. I thought my life was over. I thought my life was shipwrecked. But grace, God's grace, it just intercepted. It scooped me up. It picked me up and it carried me along. I'm thankful for the power, the redemptive power of the cross. This is what the resurrection means to me. This is what the resurrection means to me. Hallelujah. If you wanna stay in your cell, you can, but I'm coming out of mine. If you wanna still stay in your addictions, you can, but I'm gonna set mine down. If you still wanna be trapped in some sort of immoral lifestyle, he'll be happy to keep you, but I'm gonna tell you by the blood and by the grace and by the power of it is finished. We have the authority to walk out free. We have the authority to walk out free. My, my, my. Was that you a few services ago talked about a man that had been uh, granted a release from prison? Yes, a man had been granted a release from the prison, uh, a prison, and uh, his sentence had been commuted or, or, or overturned. And somehow for 10 years, am I right? 10 years, somehow for 10 years, that word never got to the proper authority. And a man served 10 additional years of a sentence that he really did not have to serve. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how good it felt when that door opened up? Hey Amen. There might have been a little bitterness to get over. There might have been a little bit of hatred to get past, but I'm going to tell you, I believe when that door opened up, it was so felt so wonderful to be out. I'm gonna tell you today, I regret anything that I've ever done that wasn't godly. I regret every word I ever said, every deed I ever committed that wasn't righteous or godly. But when God opened the door and I was set free from sin, I don't wanna look back. I don't wanna go back. I don't wanna drive back by, hallelujah. Mm, hallelujah. I, I just I just dare say, I just dare say, I don't know the man in that narrative, but I just dare say when he has guests come over, when he has people come in from out of town, he don't drive back by the prison and say, that's where I used to live. That's where I used to stay, amen, because that is so far in his past. That is so far in his past. Can I tell you this morning, I've been set free. I'm not ignorant to what God has delivered me from. You're not ignorant to what God God delivered you from, but I don't want to keep driving past it. I don't want to slow down when I go past it. I want to say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace. This is what the resurrection means to me, set free by the blood of the lamb. I'm free to worship him today. I'm free to magnify him today. I'm free to lift my voice today. Hallelujah. My God, I feel something sneaking up on me here. This is what the resurrection means to us. Hallelujah. Not only can I worship him in a corporate service like this, but we have the privilege to kneel down in our home, in our car, and call upon his great name because he lives, because he lives, because he lives.
praise God. I'm, I'm trying to behave, but I'm going to tell you this gets, gets up against me here. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm moved by what I'm talking about. Frankly, I don't want to get over this. If I'm so old I can't kick my leg up high, I hope I can just lift it off the ground. Amen. I want something. <laughs> I want something. I want something to stir inside of me. Finally, the last thing that was finished was our salvation. When Jesus hung on the cross, all of our sins were transferred to him. That's important to understand. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul said, For he for he hath made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's important to understand that because when our sins were transferred to him, he didn't just leave us an empty vessel, but additionally he put his righteousness in us because you can't just leave a vessel empty. So he cries these powerful words. It is finished. And then the scripture says he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And this is such an important part of scripture and a point. Normally when men were crucified under the Roman rule, they died like the Romans decided they would die. The crucifixion was not a quick form of execution. It meant a prolonged death. It was designed, as morbid as this is, it was designed to bring misery and to use that person as an example. They didn't want to take him out behind the barn and just shoot him in the back of the head and dig a hole and cover it up. No, no, we're going to make an example out of you and we're going to let others fear lest they come against the, the, the power of the Roman rule. It was a warning. Don't rebel against Rome because this is where you'll wind up. The way they actually hastened the death was to break their legs. This meant they could no longer support themselves, raising themselves back up to get air into their lungs. You see, because essentially death by crucifixion was really death by suffocation, not by piercing of hands or the piercing of feet because mankind or humanity could survive having their hands and feet pierced by nails, but you can't survive if you can't breathe. But when they came to Jesus, it is so important to understand that they didn't break his bones because he was dead. John 19, the Bible says, when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead already and break not his legs. Amen, that was just a fulfillment of prophecy. Actually, even John 10 and 18, Jesus said, no man taketh my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power <laughs> and I have the power to take it up again. Hallelujah. Amen. He just wanted to send them one last message after he said, it is finished. It is finished. Not because I need you to come along and finish it for me, but it is finished. And he gave up the ghost and he said, I got power to do this and I got power to take it up again. And can I tell you, that's just what the resurrection means to you and I. Joseph of Arimathea offered his tomb now for Jesus and his disciples took him there and and in truth, they laid him there and they never expected to see him again. The story was over. The dream had ended. All hope was gone. Something went horribly wrong and they were devastated. That was until the early morning hours of the first day of the week. Luke 24. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher 
And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garment. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Why are you in the tomb? <laughs> he is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was not yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful man and must be crucified, and the third day rise again. The angels came to remind them, to encourage and refresh their faith. All is not lost. Can I just put a comma in this sentence and ask you how many times you've had that heavenly visitation that God just kind of intercepted. He just stepped into your world and said, all is well, all is well, all is well. You didn't have an answer yet. You didn't know what you were gonna do yet. Am I preaching to anybody? Amen, but you just somehow knew because the Lord had put in your heart, it's gonna be all right. I don't know, it's just gonna be all right. I'm gonna tell you my wife more than one time in our marriage has come out of her prayer room with her eyes swollen red, tears freshly flowing down her face and she said, honey, it's gonna be all right. Whatever it was we were facing, it's gonna be all right. Amen, not because she came out of there with a detailed plan of this is how we're gonna work our way out, but God has met me here. That sounds much like the Apostle Paul, doesn't it? In the middle of a storm, in the middle of a literal storm in the ship, he said, an angel has stood by me this night. I'm gonna tell you, he said that with salt water blowing in his eyes. He said that with the wind and the contrary, but he said, an angel stood by me tonight and said everything's going to be alright everything's going to be alright there's not going to be the loss of one life and these angels in that tomb were standing there saying you don't need to be looking for the living here because he is not dead he is alive he is alive you need to remember he said this was coming but he said he was going to be crucified but he also said I'm going to rise again on the third day with that they remembered with that their mind was jarred with that they're back on track so they rushed to tell everybody what happened. But the story sounded so far-fetched they struggled to believe it. Jesus was alive. He made multiple appearances. He appeared to Mary as a gardener, later to Simon Peter. He also appeared to the disciples in the upper room. Then again, when they regathered, and then there was the, the, the situation with Thomas mentioned earlier. He appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to the disciples at the end of the Gospel of John by the Sea of Galilee and even appeared to, to 500 people on one occasion. The Lord was risen forever. Their lives were changed forever. It has changed our lives as well. So what does this mean for us today? The title of my message is what the resurrection means to you. Amen, what the resurrection, can we do something here? Would you just say with me what the resurrection means to me? What the resurrection means to me because we need to reach out and get this. I don't want to talk at you. I don't want to just preach in your direction. Amen, we're declaring what the word of God, so what the resurrection means to me, it means justification. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it proves and assures me that I have been accepted. Romans, Romans 4 and 25, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life again for our justification. I know this sounds a little like somebody's trying to be cute here, but if you just think about it, somebody told me this many, many years ago, and I'm, I'm much more mature than I was then, but I still remember this kind of little jingle. Somebody said, here's what justify means. It means justify had never sinned. 
have been justified. Justify had never sinned. Kind of hard to get our mind around that because we remember sinning. But justification, amen, justification, the resurrection of him means that I am justified. So now justification has a twofold meaning. It's not only what God removes from our life, but it's what God adds to our life. We empty ourselves in repentance. We wash ourselves in baptism, but you don't leave the vessel empty. You need to get filled with the Spirit. Amen, he removed our sin and the penalty that goes along with it. And then he has forgiven us of, forgiven us of our sin and put it away. We, the scripture talks about as far as the east is from the west. There's another inference in scripture, doesn't say it this way, but we call it the sea of forgetfulness. That's not exactly how the scripture says, but that is the inference of the scripture that it is, it is forever forgotten. And it's hard for us to imagine that because we can't truly forget things. I mean, we forget stuff all the time, but something can come along and make us recall it and it was there all along. Another thing that the resurrection means to me is intercession. Jesus is now my intercession. Amen, Romans 8 and 24 says he maketh of Christ that he is risen and maketh intercession for us. And so why is that important? It's, it's important because the devil hates you. And a lot of people, a lot of Christian people think if I leave the devil alone, he'll leave me alone. I know what I'm saying. I've been doing this a while. I don't get to praying too much. You get too spiritual, you're going to invite all kinds of things into your life. He didn't just wake up because you started praying. Amen. <laughs> that didn't go very far, did it? <laughs> he don't play fair. So you can't leave the devil alone and think he'll leave you alone. That's not how the devil works. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. You know how often he accuses you? Day and night. That's what the scripture says. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Amen. I have an intercessor though. I have somebody that can speak on my behalf. I said, whoop, whoop. I have, I have an advocate. The resurrection means for you and I that we have the power to overcome. The power when you have really committed your life to him and, and you know that you have given everything to the hand and the power of God, we have the power to overcome. Now, I, I'm gonna close here. I'll ask our musicians to come. But I'll tell you, the power to overcome. Think with me now. You don't have to make any public declarations. But can you just think with me for a moment of some things in your past that God gave you the power to overcome? It could be a long laundry list. And, and maybe you didn't stop that initial moment you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But God gave you the power to overcome it. And you just gained a little more power every day, every day, every week, every year. And now it is a thing completely in your past. Because you see, 
becoming a child of God is just that. It is becoming. It is a journey. It is a journey that we do not all make in the same given time. I know that our church family has heard me use this illustration before, but unapologetically, I will use it again, that when the disciples were on Mount Olive, or Mount Olivet, and, and the Lord said, go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high, the scripture says that that journey was a, that, that was a Sabbath day's journey for them. And so a Sabbath day's journey is basically a half a day's journey. And so for the disciples, it was, they, were, they were fairly close. It wasn't a big deal to get to Jerusalem for them. Half a day, we're there. But other people had to come from much further away. They also were on their way to the upper room, but they were a little further than a half a day's journey. And can I tell you that the same is true, that analogy is true for the church in the 21st century. That there are some people that come to the Lord and they don't have a lot of baggage. But there are some people that come to the Lord and they've got all kind of things in their past that they're trying to pull with them to the foot of the cross. It was a little more than a half day's journey. But you know what? They just kept praying and they kept worshiping the Lord and thank God they were in a safe place where people would give them room to grow. And they could just keep exercising and stretching themselves. <laughs> That's what the resurrection means to me power to overcome power to overcome power to change power to be different amen the power to, to pull your feet under you to stand and I'm going to tell you that you're a long way from where you started and that's not because you're so shrewd not because I'm so slick. It's because the resurrection gave me overcoming power. And there were days, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be honest on behalf of all of us because I'm speaking, but you could say the same. There were days when you thought you had it together that you just kind of slid all the way back to ground zero and thought, wow. Amen. It's okay. You're in a safe place. You can admit that today. You just kind of felt like, oh, man, I just went all the way back to ground zero. I thought I had this. I, and you just find yourself, and oh, boy, that's where the accuser of the brethren wants to get in your ear, condemn you, go to an altar to repent. And I'm telling you, he'll go to the altar with you. And if you'll listen to him, he'll talk you into getting up and walking back and throwing your hands up. But aren't you glad you just kept coming back you just kept coming back. Oh, my, my, my. I feel the Holy Ghost kind of sweeping into this house. I'll ask you to stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The resurrection assures me that I'm going to live forever in heaven. The most important takeaway truth of the resurrection for us is that we're going to live forever, ever, 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 ever. Amen. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You see, because he died, we never will die because our soul is going to live on with him in eternity. Amen. I know life ceases in itself, but I'm speaking in a broader sense. Amen. That, that 
death gave us life in Jesus' name. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Amen. If you need something from the Lord, do you know we're not just here to preach about this and talk about it and sing about it. We're here to give you an opportunity to experience it. If you need to repent of your sins today, what better day than this Resurrection Sunday to say, Lord, I'll need a refresh. I need a restart. What better time than to just walk into this presence, into his presence and step into his purpose. Amen. If you need the Holy Ghost today, you can, you can receive it right where you are. Amen. You can receive what right where you are. If you need hope, healing in your heart, Amen. I'm going to tell you that right where you stand, you're free. You're welcome to come to the front, but you can get it right where you are. Amen. I want us to just worship him. Amen. I think we would be remiss if we just dismissed this service and walked away. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.